0: Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as far as his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living stricken for the transgression of my people and they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him he was put on him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt he shall see his offspring he shall prolong his days
1: Let's pray. Most gracious and loving Father, we're so thankful that though we were and sometimes still are like sheep who have gone astray and we turn to our own way, but yet, in your love, in your compassion, in your sovereignty, Has come to you desiring to worship you in spirit and in truth. Have your way in us and through us to your glory. May everything that takes place here today bring you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Some 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah was inspired to prophesy and to tell us what is the meaning of Christmas. And he begins by saying that you have to understand that when Messiah comes he is sent by God and that he is God's Messiah and this this is God's will. It's not going to be an accident of history. It's not going to be as if the human race sort of gets lucky and a really cool guy comes on the scene and Wow, he has some neat things to say. It is rather that God, out of the depth and the profound nature of his mercy, wills to send his Son to earth to be Messiah. In chapter 52 of Isaiah, in verse 13, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high, and lifted up and shall be exalted. It is the good pleasure of the Father that the Son would be honored and glorified and that the majesty of the Messiah would be seen. It is God's will that we glorify Christ. That's why when all the world was asleep, And nobody was noticing. Nobody wanted to notice. God sent a choir of angels. And they announced to the shepherds, Unto you this day is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's it. That's why suddenly there were with the the angel a heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth... Peace, goodwill to men. I'm still back in the King James when it comes to Christmas. But the angels broke forth in singing the glory of Messiah Jesus. Nobody else would, so God made sure somebody did. And the angels sang and praised Him. It was the will of the Father that Messiah should come and that He should suffer for us and suffer so that our sin would be Removed from us, still in verse, uh, in chapter 52. As many, this is verse 14, and, and as many were astonished at you, his, par- his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. In other words, Messiah would be so battered, and so bruised, and so beaten, you could barely recognize him as a human being. In this way, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Now, we're not going to understand that unless we really think about what happened during the sacrifices in the temple. The animal was brought and was, was, uh, was killed and a portion was brought to the altar, but the blood was poured out, and upon occasion, the the priest would take a, a, a branch, a leafy branch, dip it in the blood and sprinkle it out on the children of Israel because by that sprinkling, the sacrifice was made effective for them. And So when Christ died, his blood was shed so that the new covenant would be established by the sprinkling of his blood upon his people. And 700 years earlier, Isaiah said, that's the will of the Father. That's what God is doing in the Messiah. He's bringing glory, and he's giving us salvation in Christ. Well, we, we can't linger over every verse, but then Isaiah goes on, and he basically gives the gospel message uh, around here, as you know, we like to talk about the gospel in four sentences. Four sentences. Anybody ever ask you, what is the gospel? You can give them basically these four sentences. God sent him. We killed him. But God raised him. And therefore, repent. And that's it. See, God sent him for his Glory. But we rejected the Messiah. Now in chapter 53, uh, well, verse 2, it says, He grew up before Him like a young plant, like a root out of a dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at Him and no beauty that we should desire Him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. That's true historically, as Jesus walked in the, on, the, on the roads and the trails and pathways of Palestine that people saw him. Oh, isn't that interesting? Maybe, maybe kill an afternoon and listen to some of his preaching. Maybe go out and watch him confront the Pharisees. Maybe if you really... Um, wanted some entertainment. Watch a few miracles. That'd be that'd be nice to see. But by and large, they abandoned him. And the vast majority of human beings at that time cared nothing about him. We esteemed him not. We still do that. We take him for granted. We don't figure him as of any account. Oh, we'll say nice things about Jesus, and uh, yes, Jesus is Lord. And, all that. But the way that we live and the way that we think, the, the way in which we retain unto ourselves control of our own lives, basically says we esteem him not. We just don't value Jesus. And that can have consequences. Some of you might remember Roger Maris. Blank stairs, blank stares, blank stairs. One, good. Roger Maris was a baseball player back in the 60s, late 50s, early 60s. Roger Maris was a big deal in the early 60s. He was on the path to break Babe Ruth's home run record. He was hitting 61 home runs. He finally wound up with an asterisk. And uh, at that time, being a young child, we collected baseball cards. Anybody remember baseball cards? I've got to update my illustrations. (laughs) But this will make sense to you. there, There was a little baseball card. And we would get baseball cards... And, of course, we all wanted Roger Maris. So we opened the little package, and there would be Roger Maris wearing a Cleveland Indians baseball uniform. What's with that? He's a Yankee. We want Roger Maris the Yankee hitting all the home runs. Why would we want the Cleveland Indian Roger Maris? So we took that card. We had two of them. We had the Cleveland card, and we had the Kansas City card. Those of you who know the story, you know what I'm talking about. But we took that card, the Cleveland Indian Roger Maris card, and we took a clothespin and we clipped it to our bicycle, you know, and put it into the spokes. So as you went around and made that little flappy noise, anybody do that? So you, you know, it's like you're riding a Harley. <laughs> My apologies to Harley. But that's what you did with Roger Maris for with the Cleveland Indians happened to be his rookie card. It's worth about $1,600 today. We esteemed Roger not. (laughs) And we missed the value of Roger's card. And we esteem him not. We treat him casually and haphazardly. We give him leftover time and leftover attention, leftover obedience. So Messiah was sent by God and we rejected him not only that we killed our sins drove the nails into his hands our our sins plated the crown of thorns on his head our sins lifted up the cross on that that hill and dropped him in so he could die the agonizing death of crucifixion it was our sin But if that was the totality of it, the only logical thing that comes next is, and because our sin crucified God's Messiah, God's Son, therefore we deserve and have earned the eternal wrath of God. But when our sins killed Jesus, Jesus took our sins upon himself. He died for us. Now understand, Jesus didn't die for us because we'd had a negotiation with God. You know, it's not like we went to God and said, "God, I'll tell you what. Uh, when you send the Messiah, um, we'll we'll give him a little bit of faith if he'll die for our sins." God says, "That's fine, but you better have the faith before. I'm not going. I'm not going to let him die for no good reason. I mean, you you, you just you better show me the faith first. No." The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We gave him nothing. And yet he died for us. It's an an incredible reality. That's why I was so taken by that verse. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. And the chastisement that brought us peace with his wounds we are healed a lot of people will talk about Jesus you know there, there's a movement today I, I'll just give this to you because the lozenge is still there but there's, there, there's a certain attitude in, in some churches today that all you need to do, do is be a Jesus follower now that sounds great because you know Jesus said follow me and that sounds great you know? but all, all that's meant is be like Jesus Be nice. Be kind. Uh, Do the whole what would Jesus do thing. But the message of Christ is this. Our sin killed him. It is our fault. If I may quote the, the other denomination our grievous fault. It is our fault. Our sin. We need to understand that or we'll never understand the depth of God's mercy in Christ. So then our sin killed him. And then it says, he was oppressed with afflicted, verse 7. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb led to slaughter like a sheep before its shear. He was silent, he didn't open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away and for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living Stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. When we read the prophecy of Isaiah, a couple of things happen here. One is explanation, it just explains who the Messiah is. He dies for those who are sinners. But there's also confirmation that goes on here. Because these prophecies, that he would die for our sins, that he would be buried and and die amongst sinners and be buried in the tomb of a rich man, fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth. Some 700 years beforehand, God prophesied that. It was more than just a plan. It, it, It was a plan, but it was more than just a plan. See, because I'll tell you that, well, sometime this afternoon, uh, a lot of people are going to get together and they're going to cover this stage with chairs and music stands and those, those neat little lights that, that shine and that are too dim to see the music.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, and, and, and the choir is going to get together and they're going to be ready to go. And it's going to be, that, that's a plan. I'm not prophesying anything. That's a plan. Because you already knew that would happen. None of that surprised me. But if I tell you that when you come tonight, you will be blessed beyond measure. And for one brief moment, your heart will ascend into heaven as we join the angels in singing glory to God. That's a prophecy. And now you have to respond to it one way or the other. And you have to tell Troy to thank me for the plug in the middle of my <laughs> But 700 years before it happened, prophesied in, in almost infinite detail, fulfilled in Jesus. So it's, it's, it's explanation and it's confirmation that Jesus is God's chosen Messiah. But we killed him, and he's die. It says here he was buried with, um, with uh, a, a rich man in his death. And he'd done no violence. There's no deceit in his mouth. And yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt. It's an amazing statement. When, when Jesus makes that offering for us that our guilt would be taken away. Then... Jesus, the Messiah, he shall see his offspring. What does that mean? It means that he's going to rise again. You see your offspring when you come to life again. That's, that's the point. This, this is resurrection being prophesied in the Old Testament. What does it mean, the offspring of Jesus? It is those who are born again born into a new life in Christ, a life in the resurrection power of Christ. That's what it means. And he will see many of those that he brought to the Father through his sacrificial death on the cross. And he shall prolong his days eternally. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. That when Jesus came, was crucified, dead, buried, rose again, ascended into heaven, he is eminently satisfied with the perfection of the work he has done for us. I'll read on just to get this in front of us. Oh, um, all this is good stuff. Uh, verse twelve: I'll, I'll divide him a portion with many. He shall divide the spoil with the strong. In other words, he'll be victorious. Is what he said. Uh, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressions, transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many. And look at this, and makes intercession for the transgressors. Romans eight: We read that Jesus uh, not only died, but he was raised and ascended to the right hand of God the Father, and from, and, and, and that's where he makes intercession for. So, when Isaiah talks about the gospel, it's the same four basic ideas. God sent him. We rejected him. We despised him. We treated this glory of God in our presence with indifference. We were dismissive towards it. We ignored him. And our sins killed him. But God raised him. And now we have eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now, I bring this all up not to be a killjoy during the Christmas season. I mean, after all, uh, Christmas season is all about um, uh, little babies and mangers, new life, wiggly little fingers and all that. Um, it, it's all about singing songs and everybody pretending to be nice to each other, which is great. you know. But I don't bring up the cross just to be a downer. I bring up the cross because without the cross, Christmas has no meaning. It has no meaning at all. We like holidays. I, li- I like the Christmas season. I used to worry about commercialism. We used to do that until uh, I found out commercialism means that Debbie is buying lots of gifts for me. And, and then, then I sort of came to peace with it. But, but even, even then, I, I sort of appreciated the Christmas season because everybody sort of, Tried to be nice, you know, I, and I didn't care if they were faking it. I didn't, I didn't care if it was just a put on. It was, just, it was just sort of neat to have everybody be nice to each other like, like uh, well, like we're doing now. But the Christmas season, it's a great time, you know. It was a wonderful time when, when you had Christmas decorations everywhere. And I understand separation church and state and all that. But, but let's, let's just confess those of us old enough to say things like this. It was just nice. And it was fun. You know, Easter is fun. You know? Easter, you know, where we celebrate God's gift of the bunny. To, uh, <laughs> you see what I mean. But, it, but it's fun, you know, and you have all this celebration, and it's happy, and it's happy. And we go from Palm Sunday, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna. And we go to Easter, he is risen, he is risen indeed. But you cannot get from Christmas to Easter without Good Friday when Jesus died for us on the cross. See, when Jesus was born, God sent a heavenly choir of angels to sing his glory. And I suspect that when he died on the cross those angels were poised on the Ramparts of heaven. And God held them back. Jesus died alone. The shepherds came and they worshiped and they adored him. But when he died, the crowds came and they mocked him and they insulted him. The wise men came and they brought him gifts. On the cross, the soldiers took the only thing that belonged to Jesus, his robe, and they rolled dice to see who would get it. You won't understand Christmas if you don't come to the cross. This is a good time for that. It, it, you know, it, you might have nice things to say about Jesus. You're a church member, you like going to church, you like church people. The singing's good, the sermon's bearable, you know, that kind of thing, but you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never declared, my life belongs to Him. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. I would just plead with you this morning, make that commitment to Christ because He was pierced for your iniquities. And I would encourage you during this Christmas season just to pause during during the time of joy and just thank the Father that He sent the Son to die for our sins and has given us the Holy Spirit to move us to understand that and to give us the courage of faith to accept and embrace it. Because that is the story of Christmas. The Gospel of Isaiah is the meaning of Christmas. Let's bow together. Father in heaven, I thank and praise you for the perfection of your will, the wisdom of your work. Father, I thank you that you were looked beyond our sin and what we deserve, so that your glory in Christ might be given to us. We're just humbled by the the nature of the gift, the magnitude of the gift. So, Father, help us to be grateful, grateful in in, in word, but, Father, grateful indeed, grateful in the way that we live for the gift of your Son for us, and I pray in his name.